Ben Simmons begins to trust the process. Sixers got the injury bug and the Sacramento Kings are good again. Yes, that's Sacramento King. <laughs> I'm John Cson, the fill-in host of the most. Shout out Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast and I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, what's up my friend? How you living? John, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Happy early Thanksgiving, brother. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you and every, all of our listeners. Sammy, my friend, how are you living? Cannot complain, my man. Basketball on the screen, time with the family. Like, what else do you need? Yes, sir. All right, let's get into it, guys. So Ben Simmons, he makes his triumphant return to Philly. In a loss, his team, the Brooklyn Nets, lost 115 to 106. Ben Simmons, though, had 11 points, 11 assists, and 7 rebounds, and constant boos every single time he touched the ball. And I got to say, that's that's commitment, man. I mean, you can boo somebody for 48 minutes in an entire game. I know he didn't play 48 minutes, but he was booed constantly and consistently anytime he touched the ball. So I wanted to ask you guys, and I know Ben Simmons, he has not played in Philly in a long, long time. I wanted to get your thoughts on how he did, and what do you think this does for him mentally? Do you think that he's going to possibly make that leap? I'm going to throw it here to Sammy first. Well, you know, I think it seems like since he came back from this recent knee injury and over the last few days in particular, uh, right before Kyrie came back, it seemed like he started to find his flow again. And I was looking at just his last few games leading into tonight. He had 15-13-7 against Portland. Came back with 22, 8, and 5 against Memphis. And then tonight, like you said, he had 11, 11, and 7. Also had three steals and three blocks. He seems a little more assertive. And you know what I was curious about going into this game? Is he obviously knew the spotlight was going to be on him. And I was wondering if he was going to get very timid, very passive, and back down. And he was playing into the crowd. He He was going back and forth with them a little bit. And obviously, we know the Philly fans, like you said, they kept at it the whole time. They got a little F Ben Simmons chant going at one point, and he did not back down or curl up at all. So I'll give him respect on this. It seems like he's finding his way a little bit, and maybe he'll be an asset going forward. With Brooklyn, of course, we don't know what that team is going to look like in the future, but it seems like he's made himself a positive asset again. That's the initial read I got on it. Jay, how did you see this game? Yeah, I thought that he played really well. His energy was really high. He was diving for balls. He wanted to get the offense going. He scored 11, and like you mentioned, he's been doing pretty good uh, the last three games. Uh, ironically enough, all of his points haven't been, haven't been from jumpers. <laughs> They're like near the basket, right. and dunks. <laughs> and we've said it before, but the issue with... Um, Ben Simmons isn't necessarily his talent. It's his one motivation, which reads into his energy level. And tonight, it's it was kind of like the old Ben Simmons, where a couple of years ago, people were even saying that he's an MVP candidate. He could play that Magic Johnson role, but we just haven't seen that. He, he's been a shell of himself. And, you know, for a game against the Sixers, you would expect that he would play really well, which he kind of did but they still lost with your number one and two score in Kyrie and KD, which kind of is not a good sign, right, fellas? Yeah, for sure. And you know what we didn't even talk about? 
MB didn't play. Yep. Harden didn't play. Yep. Maxi didn't play. So the starting backcourt was Melton and Shake Milton. Or, uh, yeah, DeAnthony Melton and Shake Milton. And they had no problem. Paul Reed started at center, I believe, and they still lost by 9 or 10. I think Tobias Harris led Philly with, I want to say, 24 points. So that, you have to question that. And then the other thing I noticed, and this is a little tangent from Simmons, and I actually wanted to get both of your guys' thoughts on, on this part as well. Just this quote from Durant, and it just seems like it's playing victim, and I want to see what you, what you thought. This was a quote he said about this game. Everyone wants to see our team fail. Nobody likes Ben. Nobody likes Kai. Nobody likes myself. I read that, and I'm just exactly. That's pretty much what I was thinking. Like I read that, and I'm just. Why does it always have to come back to what was me? You know, did, am I yeah. overreading that? Like, did you guys see that? Am I, am I overreading? You tell me. He, I mean, he loves to play the victim, Kevin Durant. If if you you know, throughout the years, and I know JJ agrees with me. Mm-hmm. And Roe and Spirit agrees with me. All Warrior fans actually collectively agree with me that Durant likes to play the victim. He's just very, and I think he loves the attention. I, I, I don't, like you said, I don't, what is the purpose of playing victim here and positioning it as if, you know, we're just relishing in the fact that they're losing? I mean, some of us are. Okay, maybe most of us are, but I digress. I mean, JJ, do you do you think that it just that's who Durant is? He's just kind of that type of person. What's funny about Durant, John, is that he always plays the victim when it's convenient to him. You know what I mean? Like, right. If he wants all the accolades, he's more than willing to say that he earned those accolades. But when there's fault, he kind of denies it and plays a victim like you were saying and dude like you're saying nobody likes Ben hmm I wonder why nobody likes Kyrie hmm I wonder why no one likes you Katie hmm you left OKC right which okay you served your time there 10 years that's fine you lived in Oklahoma City you want something new you went to the Warriors to play beautiful basketball and then you flipped the script did a 180 and you left a team that plays beautiful basketball and a coach that's a player's coach to play with your best friend, which is completely fine. But when you start going on your Twitter rants, um, your burner accounts, and you respond to people like John on Twitter, it's just like, <laughs> there's there's a reason, you know what I mean? And like, you play you play at Brooklyn, man. Like you knew, you, you signed up for this. You are arguably in the biggest, most life city, not in the East Coast, but in the world, in New York. Right. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the sentiment and everything that, that, you, that you've said. Uh, I'm sticking on the topic of the Nets, right? So Kyrie has, is back. I mean, he's been back since the last game before this with the Grizzlies. They beat the Grizzlies 127-115. They lost here to the 76ers. And Sammy made a point that they lost to the Sixers without the Sixers having Maxi, Harden, and Joel Embiid. They're three best players. And I don't even think that's arguable. My question for you guys is, do you think... 
how much better do you think Kyrie Irving makes the Nets? Do you think it's really that much better? I mean, defensively, it just looks like, and I know that, I mean, when Kyrie was suspended, the Nets suddenly became one of the better defensive teams. Yep. Top five, I want to say. I don't know if that's a coincidence. And so I wanted to throw this question to you guys. Do you think, and I know it's obviously, there aren't, there's not a market for him probably given all his antics and the controversy. But do you feel like the Nets would be better trading Kyrie Irving? Do you think they would be better off if they can? 100%. I do not think Kyrie is a winning basketball player at this point in his career. I I think he just brings too much baggage to the table and you just you look at his splits throughout his career. Take out those years with LeBron. How many winning seasons has he had? Really? Right. I mean couple in Boston, ran himself out of there. That team instantly got better when he left and they didn't replace him, really? Like, you just, you look at the track record and I just, I don't think he's good for a team's culture. He's clearly not good for their defense. I just, I feel like if you look at what he's done now, his individual stats have always been great, but unless he's with arguably the top two or three best player of our lifetime and ever when has he really contributed to winning and i i haven't seen it and i think it's a really small sample size like you said but the fact that he suspended and suddenly the team plays much better basketball i do not think that's a coincidence in the slightest i think they would be better off without him personally jay i mean you stole the words out of my mouth man just look at his track record in cleveland and boston and how they were kind of in turmoil while he was there until the very end. And then even a little bit after for those teams and they had to take some time to rebuild. And frankly, now they're even better without him. And Kyrie, yes, he's a dynamic player when you watch him play, but look at him at defense. Can he be a number one? I don't think so. People were complaining about the top 75 players and should Kyrie be on that list? But I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Kyrie has proved anything. And it's not even like in terms of like the basketball play, John, that we should reference to. It's the the drama and the unwanted attention outside of the court, outside of basketball. And on Sunday, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but they had protesters outside of Barclays. If I'm a businessman, that's more resources where you have to hire people um, to watch these individuals. You get this publicity that you may not necessarily want. And it's just like, is, is the juice worth the squeeze in the situation? And for Kyrie, it's been a lot of headache. No? You know what I mean? No, 100%. And, and I kind of like for an analogy, I was always thinking that because Kyrie is a world class talent. And that's undeniable, right? He yeah. is a world-class basketball player. But I, I, I liken it to you have, in, you know, in, in, normal, in normal circumstances or some, something that regular people like us would understand is that you have a business or you have an organization and there's a salesperson who absolutely kills the numbers. He's mm -hmm. doing great. He's, he's doing so much profit for the company. But he's like berating, verbally berating. You can't work with him. He's not a good coworker, And it's just a huge distraction. I mean, something that 
actually is a detriment overall, but people don't really look into it because they're just looking at the bottom line. Like Kyrie, when he's on the court, he can definitely produce for you. But the distraction, like you said, JJ and Sammy, you mentioned this too, which is, it's just too much. It's not really, and that's a huge part of it. The mental aspect, the, the distractions, the outside noise. And so I am in full agreement with you guys, but I'm going to move us on a little bit. It's going to be kind of on the same topics here, the two teams. The news is a little slow, so you have to bear with us, listeners. But the Philadelphia 76ers, they have a lot of injuries, like we mentioned. They have Tyrese Maxey, who is healing from a broken foot. I think two weeks is the, the, the time that they're giving here for healing. They have Joel Embiid, who actually just sprained his foot. And if anybody knows anything about injuries in sports, foot injuries are very, very tricky, and they can linger. James Harden has been injured for a while, and... His return, I think he's slated for within a month, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But the Sixers currently stand at 9-8 and eight in the Eastern Conference, 7th seed. Do you guys think that they are in jeopardy, depending on when guys come back? But do you think they... Because it, it takes time for guys to come back and get into that rhythm and to co be, build that cohesion again. Do you think the Sixers, there's a possibility they could fall to the play-in game at the end of this year? I know that's looking far ahead, but do you think that's just completely non complete nonsense or do you think that's a possibility i i think there's a possibility there and maybe this is my clippers kawaii ptsd but one of the <laughs> words i hate the absolute most in looking at injuries is the word re-evaluated and i bring that up because the word on Embiid is he's out two games and then he's going to be reevaluated. That does not mean he's going right back in the lineup. They are going to be very cautious with him. And if they're not seeing whatever healing they want to see in that foot sprain, he might be out for longer than we think. And and you're absolutely right about it's not just about them getting back in the lineup. They need time to you know redevelop their own cohesion because remember this group has not been together for that long of a time i mean harden was only there for what about 20 25 games last year right so this team is still learning how to play together and i don't think that's talked about enough they might have had training camp and what have you but remember when harden went out they were still playing about 500 ball so they're still learning to play together maxi and harden are clearly still learning how to play together as well because in the beginning of the year, they were doing a little bit of like the taking turns, kind of like Wade and LeBron did their first year together. And then when Harden went out, Maxi started going off. So they need to adjust to each other as well. So let's just say Embiid misses five or six games. You know the other problem here, just looking ahead? They're at Charlotte, at Orlando, at Orlando, and then home for Atlanta. At least those first three, if Embiid's in the lineup, even if the other two are missing, you would obviously favor them to win all three. I think all three of those are toss-ups now. And now you might start losing games that you should easily be winning. So I think this could be a big problem. I would not be surprised in the slightest if they fall to the plan. I'll tentatively say I think they're going to finish around six, but if they go lower, wouldn't surprise me at all. Hmm, interesting, because the teams that are ahead of them are the Pacers, the Wizards, the Hawks, it's understandable, and below them are just the Raptors, Knicks, Nets, Bulls, and the Heat. So, I don't think they're in trouble, you know, going into the play-in and being potentially knocked out of the playoffs. 
I'm just gonna say that it does worry me that Embiid has had a bad history of injuries. So I just want to wait. Uh, usually when it says reevaluated, like you were saying, Sammy, after two games, it doesn't really make me worry about them that much. If it was reevaluation after a month or two months, then that's a different story. So that's what I'm thinking. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I agree with you guys. We'll 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 see how the Sixers can kind of navigate through these injuries and and uh, you know see you when James Harden, my MVP pick, that was completely derailed by his injury, by the way. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. But before we move on to our next topic, we're gonna take a quick short break from a word from our sponsors. The NBA action is just getting started, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA pregame money line bet and get $200 in free bets if, you, if your team wins. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so coming back, we're going to bring up a team that we have not talked about often over the time that we've done the Clinic All-NBA podcast. The third place Sacramento Kings. Seven wins in a row. Now 10 and 6. And through 16 games now, statistically speaking, are on pace to have the best offense in the history of the NBA. Eat your heart out, Katie. That's where we are right now. So ahead of the game they played tonight against Memphis that they won 113-109, they have an offensive rating of 118.6. And it's really been led by De'Aaron Fox, who's taken a huge step this year. Jump shot looks a lot better really getting into the paint whenever he wants and is working just an absolute concert with DeMontis Sabonis. If we recall, they traded for from Indiana last year in a deal that was widely scrutinized, including I will eat my craw on this myself, uh, in a deal they made for Tyrese Halliburton. But their offense is firing on all cylinders. They brought in some shooters. Kevin Herter's been a great addition. Malik Monk's done very well there. And it seems like it's something that could go on and continue. So... Let's talk about this. Are the Kings, after 20 long years, is this team for real? And what is their ceiling? And I'm going to start this with John. Uh, Forgive me, Ro, and RJ, who's also in Sacramento area, for what I'm about to do here. (laughs) Because the only reason in my eyes that the Kings have this good of an offensive rating and like Sammy said are on track to be one of the best offensive rating teams of any team ever in the history of the NBA is because they haven't been so good they haven't been good in so long that there is no tape on them and no no you cannot form any sort of type of defensive scheme or strategy on this current team that is my logic that is my that's what I'm going to roll with right now okay all jokes aside though 
They are absolutely blowing me away. I had no idea. I had no idea that they were going to be this good. And I know it's a small sample size, but like Sammy said, De'Aaron Fox is absolutely utilizing his speed. He is absolutely knocking down his shots, which was one of his weaknesses coming into the league. And for the last few years, actually, is his, is his shooting. And then you ha add Devontae Sabonis. And I think that is probably where the key is here. They didn't have a big man, a great big man, other than DeMarcus Cousins. But even then, when he was, when DeMarcus Cousins was with the Kings, the, the, the pieces around him weren't that good. But now you have pieces that actually play well together. They fit. And they're really, really, like, when you watch them, and I've seen a few games, is that they are clicking on all cylinders. They share the ball. They're shooting well. They have post. They have the, the inside game with Sabonis. I mean, they're rebounding. They're doing all of the things that you need to do to win games. And they recently, who did they recently beat, Sammy? I'm, I'm sorry, I can't They remember. beat Memphis tonight, 113-109, with Joe Morant back in the lineup, by the way. Right. And they beat the Grizzlies, who are considered by many to be a contender in the Western Conference. So, I mean, I think it's starting, it's time. And JJ, you know, I, I don't know if you can disagree, but I want to get your thoughts on this, but... I think it's time to start giving them their respect. And, and uh, as much as I hate saying that, because, you know, the Lakers and the Kings, they've had their rivalry and they've had their battles and they've had their controversy in the early 2000s. So I hate to say it, but the Kings seem like they are for real. JJ, what do you think? Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, John, for the first time in years, they're above 500, which is kind of insane. And just to give a brief summary of what happened tonight for those that didn't watch the game. Sammy, who is shooting the free throw for the Kings? John's favorite player, right? Malik Monk. <laughs> My man, Malik Monk. Malik Monk was in the line and John Morant tried to get in his head. Jordan style said, uh, don't miss the free throw. Yep. He made both. And then what happened to Morant, Sammy? Then, then Jaw goes to the line with a chance to tie and he's throwing up the bricks, man. It's just played yeah. himself. And Ja, ja if you guys didn't watch the game, Ja was talking smack the whole game. He went over to Sabonis and was just saying like, too small, too small, you know, his thing towards bigs when he scores on them. So the Kings, we got to give them their props. They're sitting second with their offensive rating and within the past six games, they've shot over 55% from the field, which is insane. And the third time this season, fellas, they've or three times they've scored over 140 points, which is insane. Wow. And That's I'll just say this. Their defense is what's lacking. But guess who's a defensive specialist? Mike Brown. And he's even said that he hasn't really put in the details that he should with that defense. And it's a work in progress. That Warrior team last year, he made that defense top five. So kudos to Mike Brown, kudos to the Kings, and I hope they continue to light that beam from their new arena, because I know that's a thing in SAC. What we need to watch out for is that 10 of their next 13 games will be on the road. So mm -hmm. let's see if they could prove to us and the world that they're legit. Hey, I got a question for you guys. Yeah. Do you, um, how often do you think Roe alternates his uh his jerseys between the kings the blazers and the warriors do you think he 
just switches it every other day or what? So over the last 10 years, I don't think he's switched it more than once every six months because the Warriors have clearly been the best of the three. This year might now be constant got, rotation. Yeah. Now he's got some tough decisions. Oh my goodness. The Warriors might be in the third slot, dude, at this point, at this yeah. rate. Yeah, and you know what? That's uh, You bring me to my next question. So this is also related to what JJ was mentioning. Really interesting next five games for them. So uh, on Wednesday, so tomorrow they're going to Atlanta on a back-to-back. So that's already a tough scheduling uh, game. Then they're at Boston on Friday. Home for Phoenix. Home for a surprisingly solid Indiana team. And then they're in L.A. to play the Clippers. So really interesting next five games. I think we're going to find out... A little more about this team, a little more about that offense, especially against a couple perceived tough defensive teams in Boston and the Clippers. And that leads me to my next question off of that. We said they're the three seed now. The West right now, one to ten, is separated by three games. Where does the Sacramento team finish? Call your shot 16 games into the year. Where do they end I, up like next week? What seed? Or? No, no, no. End oh, of, at the end of the year. We're going to find year. out next week how they're doing. <laughs> but call your shot for the season. With what we've seen, 16 games in, 10 and 6, what what seed does this team finish? I don't, I don't trust the Kings to sustain this at this level. But I don't think they're going to fall enough to be out of the playoffs. I think they're going to be... I think they're going to be in the play-in okay. at seventh seed. How many wins? Mm. I'm going to say mid-40s. Mid-40s, okay. JJ? I'm going to go 42 wins. 42? The, yeah. Okay. They'll be the seventh seed, though. I seventh agree with John. Seed. I'm gonna I'm gonna call on our uh, on our video producer here, RJ. Call your shot. How many ones do we get from the Kings this year? Uh, I'm gonna say fifty. Fifty. <laughs> nice beam team. What up? Um, oh, and uh, Ro, sorry, Ro just texted me. He said seventy-two. Seventy-two <laughs> and ten. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I am gonna not, say this team finishes as the sixth seed, and finally. For sure, no plan required. Blake breaks their playoff route, drought. I'm I'm gonna go mid 40s as well. I'm gonna call them win 46 wins. Okay. Do you think they're gonna bring the Do you think they're gonna bring the cowbells back for the playoffs, Sammy? I certainly hope not, but they just might. <laughs> um, and you know what? On on the betting front, I'm gonna give a shout out here. Not not affiliated with us at all, but the Bill Simmons podcast does over unders on the NBA every year. And this was their favorite over bet. Sacramento opened with a 33 or 34 and a half over under number. And obviously, barring injuries, it looks like they're going to smash that. So shout out to them for picking that because it looks like they were spot on. But that being said, that's actually all we have time for today. I want to thank you both for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Happy holidays, everybody. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. John, thanks for being on. Yes, a lot to be thankful for. Thank you for our listeners. Thank you for the panel here. And uh, let's get it. 2023 is, is just on the horizon. Thank you, guys. For sure. Definitely a lot to be thankful for. I want to shout out to RJ, our video producer. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All MBA Podcast. Follow us on Twitter yeah, at Clinic yeah. All MBA. And now we even have a TikTok channel if you're so inclined to follow us there. <laughs> 
I'm Sammy Neighbor. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.